بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم This is a small little concise booklet titled Four Actions to Acquire the Friendship of Allah Ta'ala Also this is a compilation of our Hazrat Mawlana Shah Hakim Mohd Akhtar Sahib Rahmatullah Alayhi This too is something we revise every year and this is all about revision it's all about refreshing these very essential and basic lessons these are lessons that we should be reminding ourselves of and revising almost on a daily basis we have mentioned previously when initially hazrat had compiled this booklet so he used to have the summary of it somebody would deliver the summary of it after every majlis the majlis used to happen thrice a day three times a day every day day in and day out the summary of this booklet used to be discussed and mentioned our whole objective is to reach allah taala to gain his proximity to become his friends so they are very simple things which we sometimes take for granted and these are such amal that take us close to allah taala on the other hand there are some very easy things to avoid but we overlook it as a result of which that becomes a major blockage and an obstacle in gaining the proximity of allah taala this closeness to allah taala this proximity to allah taala this friendship to allah taala becoming the friends of allah taala these are words that we keep hearing about speaking about but the reality of this will become apparent when we are laid in our qabr on the day of qiyamah because at that time nothing else will help the person who had built this bond with allah taala he then would be in a state of ease and comfort and he would be then reaping the benefit and the reward of those efforts that we made to get close to allah taala in dunya here it seems like this is just a concept it's something abstract it's something in the air you don't know what it means what it refers to but when a person makes an effort to acquire this allah taala makes it possible for him so this is the booklet regarding four actions to acquire the friendship of allah taala when hazrat had compiled this that was perhaps 10 12 years before he passed away so he was already in his mid 70s at that time or close to early 70s at least and he would repeatedly say at the time that this is the summary of my 70 years or perhaps it was a little bit more of experience 70 years of experience being encapsulated in one small little booklet that somebody wants to acquire the friendship of allah taala if he does these four things the road is open to him now somebody might question this that besides this is nothing else only four things this is very similar to the lesson that we get when we go out in jamaat the six points we learn the six points what is the purpose of that six points it's not the whole of deen but a person who has acquired this inshallah everything else will fall into place very easily from a different angle these are four things which a person acquires these four things 
then inshallah his path to getting closer to Allah Ta'ala is wide open. Obviously everything else will have to carry on. But these become the big obstacles. And if this is addressed, then the road is open. So therefore there is so much of emphasis on these aspects. And this was the theme of Hazrat In any bayan, any discussion, this would certainly come in some way or the other. Illa mashallah, some rare occasion it didn't come in at all. Otherwise one of these points or all of these points would certainly come in. This was his theme of his Islam and Tazkiyah. That a person brings these things into his life, inshallah everything else will come in order. When reading these kind of discussions, listening to them, the niyat must be for ourselves. Listening to it for ourselves. Sometimes we might find, okay, perhaps one of these things I have already adopted. If I have adopted one thing, there might be other things that I still need to adopt. Shaitan, in these kind of situations, often takes our mind to others. And sometimes it might be somebody else present in the gathering, then our mind goes in that direction, I hope that person is listening. And if the person is not in the gathering, our mind goes, I hope that person was here. But we are here and we are not listening for ourselves. We are listening for somebody else. That I hope that person was here, I hope that person is listening. Whereas we are supposed to be listening for ourselves. If there is one thing that we have adopted, Alhamdulillah, with the tawfiq of Allah Ta'ala, there are another 101 things that we still need to adopt. And there might be one deficiency perhaps in somebody else. Inshallah, Allah Ta'ala give him the tawfiq to rectify that. There might be 101 other good things in him which we don't know about. So we focus on our weaknesses. And we try to address our weaknesses. Yes, we make dua for everybody. And when there is an opportunity, we will encourage others as well. But these are things that we should be listening to for our own benefit and to rectify ourselves. Introduction to this, there are four actions if which one adopts. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. There are four actions if which if one adopts, inshallah, he will become a waliullah, the friend of Allah Ta'ala before he passes away. With the blessings of practicing on these four actions, inshallah, he will gain the ability of practicing on all the other commands of deen. This is due to the fact that generally people find these actions difficult. Since, since it is difficult on the nafs, on the inner self. The student who manages to answer the difficult questions in the question paper will have no problem answering the easy questions. Hence the one who suppresses his nafs for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala and practices on the following actions, it will become easy for him to practice on the entire deen and he will become the wali of Allah Ta'ala. So, as mentioned that this is not everything. These are the things that if a person makes an effort to bring this in order, there are certain things that pertain to the zahir, the external self, certain things that pertain to the internal self. So these are two things that generally pertain to the zahir and two things to the batin. If we bring these two zahiri aspects, these external aspects in our life, inshallah all the other zahiri aspects will become very easy. And likewise these two batini inner aspects are brought under control, then all the batini things will become very easy. 
this is the experience, as I say, that I've had in the 70 years, 80 years, that a person does this, inshallah, the road is open to him. The first action, keep a beard to the extent of one fist in length. The following is reported in a narration of Bukhari Sharif. Khaliful mushrikeen, wafirul luha wa shawarib. That it is reported that Rasulullah said, oppose the idolaters, lengthen the beard, and shorten the mustache. When Hazrat Ibn Umar used to go for Hajj or Umrah, he would take hold of his beard in his fist. Whatever amount of the beard was in excess of the fist, he would trim it. In another narration of Bukhari Sharif, it is narrated that Rasulullah said, Make the mustache extremely short and lengthen the beard. It is wajib to keep a beard to the extent of one fist. Just as it is wajib to perform Witr Salah and Eid Salah on Eid Al-Fitr and Eid Al-Adha, similarly it is wajib to keep a beard to the extent of one fist in length. Generally, it is described in this manner that the beard is also the Sunnah of Rasulullah So indeed, that description in itself is fine, is correct, because it is a Sunnah of Nabi Wasallam, and it's a Sunnah in the sense that Nabi Wasallam always had a full beard, but it's not something that uh, contradicts with the terminology of wajib. Because this is that sunnah which was very greatly emphasized to the point that Nabi Wasallam mentioned the warnings against those who go against it. That is what brings it to the category of wajib. So therefore, this is what's being explained, <coughs> that we won't omit the witr salah. Why we won't omit the witr salah? Because it's wajib. In nafil salah, a person sometimes might perform it, sometimes he may not perform it. Nobody is going to rebuke him on that though he should try to maximize on the nawafil. But nobody would deliberately omit the witr salah. And likewise, for example, the day of Eid, a person doesn't go for Eid salah. In fact, the person didn't go for the whole year also. He'll come for Eid salah because it's wajib. So likewise, the keeping of a beard to the extent of one fist in length is wajib. All the four imams are unanimous in this regard. Allama Shani rahmatullahi states, that to trim the beard shorter than one fist in length, as practiced by some people of the West, has not been permitted by anyone. Hakim al-Ummat Mujaddidul Millat Mawla Ashraf al-Ithani Sahib Rahmatullah Ali writes in Beshti River, it is haram to shave the beard as well as to trim it to less than the length of one fist. The word dhari, Urdu word for beard, comes from the word dhar, which means jaw. So it means that, that which then flows down from the jaw. Therefore, the beard should be the extent of one fist under the chin as well as to the right and left of the jaw on either side. It is wajib to grow the beard to one fist length on all three sides. Some people grow the beard to one fist under the chin but trim it to less than one fist on either sides. This is incorrect. If any one of the three sides of the beard has been shortened to lesser than one fist to even the extent of one grain of rice, this action will be haram and a major sin. So this is something to address, make toba. A person makes toba in that one second, he is out of this wrong. 
then it's a matter of now just allowing it to grow to its full length. So Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with this Mubarak time in the month of Ramadan and with this Mubarak days that we are in now, the last 10 days of Ramadan. And as mentioned earlier, that this is the experience that he's talking about, his lifelong experience, that a person who adopts these few things, inshallah the road is wide open. So this too, we should make the effort to try and conform to this. On this note, one incident which often comes up whenever this discussion comes. This is to be, as mentioned, Hazrat is to repeatedly emphasize this. And is to be very deep in his heart. Once one person who was very close to him, he mentions that on one occasion there were two or three people only together with Hazrat in the room. And he began discussing something. And then he went at length talking about the importance of the beard being kept full full length. And he says that at that time I was, this thought started crossing my mind, there's only three of us here, mashallah all have got a full length beard. And Hazrat is talking about this with such emphasis and so much in detail and he's emphasizing upon it so much, crossed my mind like as if this is now, so to say, being overdone now. But that was a passing thought which is a dispel, the shaitani waswasa. But this thought kept, came a couple of times in the mind, but alhamdulillah, we dispelled it. In any case, that time came and passed. So several years later, one day one of the people who was also present in the room, he came to me and said to me, he's saying this person was relating it, See, I don't know what overcame me, but suddenly this morning I wanted to shave my beard off. And he says that time when we were in the room with others, just a few of us were there, and that fervor with which he was emphasizing it, that suddenly flashed in front of me. And that became the barrier. Now sometimes it might seem something is just being repeated, and now what's the purpose in this repetition? But Allah Ta'ala inspires sometimes some things on the hearts of the Ahlullah. But the person who takes it wholeheartedly, we don't know when it will come and help him. At which juncture it would come to his aid. When it was taken wholeheartedly, taken with that full talab, then at some point it will come to his aid when it seems like the most uh, unlikely occasion. So these are things that we should be conscious about. Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq. The second action to keep the ankles exposed, that is not to cover the ankles with the trouser, pants, etc. It is haram and a major sin for males to cover their ankles with their garments. The narration of Bukhari Shari states, مَا أَسْفَلَ مِنَ الْكَعْبَيْنِ مِنَ الْإِزَارِ فِي النَّارِ That whatever portion of the ankles is covered by any garment, such as the pants, the lungi, the kurta, the turban, sheet, etc. will be in the fire. It is clearly understood from this narration that to cover the ankles is a major sin. Since the warning of punishment of the fire of Jahannam is not given with regard to minor sins. Many a times people pose all kinds of questions which should never have been posed. For example, people ask this kind of questions, but what's, what's in it? If the garment was lowered to the point that it covered the ankle, so what? The so what is a very dangerous so what, especially when a person has the knowledge now 
that this is something Rasulullah has emphasized in this way. We are not responsible for the why and what, or the why and what was the reason behind it. We are responsible for knowing what is the command of Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam. When Rasulullah has emphasized something, he has mentioned the warnings against it. That much is enough for us. Then it is for us to give our whole life for that. Not to question what's the reasoning behind it. What difference it makes if I wore my garment in a way that it was hanging below my ankles. What difference it made? What difference it made it? It opposed the clear command of Rasulullah that is beyond everything else. The harm of that is beyond every other harm. That's, we did something which directly opposed the way Rasulullah has commanded us to be. That is not our responsibility to fall into the why. Yes, the ulama have mentioned various hikmats and wisdoms of the various commands of deen. Voluminous kitabs have been written on this. The Shah has written a four volume, each volume is thicker than the Fadail Amal. Four volumes on the wisdoms of the commands of Deen. Hujjatullahi al-Baligha. And various other ulama, Hazrat Amir has written a concise book on the same topic as well. So the hikmat and the wisdoms, which that too would be just a, what is on the surface, the depths of it, nobody can reach. So that is, those whom Allah Ta'ala has opened that on their hearts, they have written about it also. But that's not our responsibility also. Allah Ta'ala makes it known to somebody, Alhamdulillah. person can read about it, he can understand it very well. But if he doesn't understand it, he doesn't know about it, that's not the issue. He must know about what he's supposed to do. He must know about what command is directed to him. How is he supposed to conduct himself? What he's supposed to stay away from? But that's it. That much is sufficient for him. Over and above, alhamdulillah, he has the knowledge of that, very good. Without that also, it won't harm him in any way, provided he's practicing on what's required of him. So sometimes people make these kind of comments, which can be very dangerous for a person's iman. Sometimes it happens, many times it happens, Allah forbid, that a person on his deathbed starts uttering things which are complete kufr. Allah forbid people leave the world in this manner. Allah Ta'ala save us and protect us at that time. Now this is a very frightening thing. That a person has lived his life performing salah, doing various amal of deen, fasting in the month of Ramadan, person might have gone for hajj and whatever else. Now on his deathbed he's uttering kufr. So this is a very, very frightening thing. But the ulama and mashayikh states, that sometimes when this has happened, it seems very, very strange. But in reality, it's not strange. How can it not be strange? It says, unfortunately, very tragically, what the reality is, that this person was walking around with kufr lurking in his heart. It just became exposed at that time. Person performing salah, he's fasting in the month of Ramadan, he's going for hajj, he is doing other righteous actions. He is walking around with kufr lurking in his heart. These two things, how can this person is doing everything a Muslim does, and how can he be walking around with kufr lurking in his heart? 
sometimes there are these kind of things that we harbor in the heart. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. People harbor in their hearts. Questioning the commands of Allah Ta'ala. That why did Allah Ta'ala give this command na'uzubillah? Or making these kind of kufr statements. What is the benefit of this? Na'uzubillah. Allah Ta'ala commanded something. Nabi Islam commanded something. And a person is saying, na'uzubillah, what is the benefit of this? What harm does it do if a person doesn't do this? One is that a person doesn't practice on something that has been commanded in being. It might be some nafil action. It might be a sunnat ghair mu'akkada. It might be a sunnat mu'akkada. It might be something wajib. It might even be a fard. A person, Allah forbid, it's a very serious sin, very major sin, that a person misses his fard salah, for example. But he, so he is missing this, this is a major sin, but he is conscious of the fact that this is the command of Allah Ta'ala, I should be doing it, this is my wrong. So this, as great as a sin it is, but this won't deprive him of iman. Allah forbid if he passed away in this condition, if he doesn't gain the forgiveness of Allah Ta'ala, he would be taken through the fire of Jahannam as punishment to cleanse himself out of this harm of this, but due to his Iman, he'll eventually reach Jannat. That Iman will take him to Jannat. But let alone a fard action, let alone a wajib, let alone sunnat muakkada or ghair muakkada, <coughs> even a mustahab action, if a person ridicules, belittles, even a mustahab action of deen, belittling anything about deen, making light of something about deen, or there's something that has been expressed to us in the Quran and Sunnah as a sin, and a person now dismisses it, no, there's nothing. That will lead to kufr. Belittling istighfaf, belittling anything about deen, will lead to kufr. Sometimes these kind of things are done. Allah Ta'ala save us and protect us. People make comments carelessly about things of deen and think nothing about it. But sometimes it might be just bringing a person on the border and sometimes drop him on the other side. People make careless comments, for example, about the laws of hijab, parda. This is something that didn't apply, doesn't apply now. Something that applied only in that time, maybe. Now, it's a very, very delicate thing. Depending on what exactly was said and how it was said and what was meant, it can render a person's iman null and void or it can take him right on the brink. These kind of things are very sensitive. A person should never ever make careless statements. It can render a person's iman null and void. Now, sometimes these kind of things are done. People walk around with this. Now, the person is doing everything that every other Muslim does. <coughs> But this is in his heart. So he's walking around with this kufr in his heart. Allah forbid at the time of death that becomes apparent. Now everybody is shocked around. But this was what was already happening. This was something that was lurking in his heart. So the same thing applies here. That this is the command Nabi Islam is giving us. That the garment should always be kept above the ankles. This is pertaining to males. In Bazrul Majhud, the commentary of Sunan Abu Dawood, Allama Khalil Ahmad Saharampuri Rahmatullahi writes that Izar in the above hadith, 
refers to every such garment that covers the ankles from above, such as the pants, lungi, kurta, etc. To cover the ankles with such garments is forbidden. Izhar does not refer to anything that is worn from below, such as socks. Therefore, if somebody really wishes to cover his ankles, he should wear socks. The prohibition of covering the ankles with garments worn from above is applicable while standing, while walking. Thus, while sitting or reclining, if the ankles are covered by one's izar, there is no harm. It's obvious that when a person will sit down, then he, if he's wearing a long kurta, for example, then that will become more lower down. So he's going to end up covering his feet, his ankles. That is not a problem. But while standing, while walking, this should never be the case. Some people are under the serious misconception that it is only necessary to expose the ankles in salah. Therefore, upon entering the masjid, they fold up their pants and expose their ankles. And upon leaving, they once more unfold the pants. It should be, should be remembered well that the prohibition of covering the ankles is not restricted to salah. The ankles must not be covered by one's pants, kurta, etc. while standing or walking or else one will be committing a major sin. Lama Khalil Ahmad Saharam Puri Rahmatullahi also states, وَهَذَا فِي حَقِّ الرِّجَالِ دُونَ النِّسَاء This command of uncovering the ankles applies to males and not to females. Unfortunately, like many other things, what command has been given to males, they abandoned that. And they adopted the command that was given to females. And the females were given the command that they garments must be covering everything right up to their feet they abandoned that and they started adopting not just what males were commanded even beyond that so unfortunately this is how shaitan turns things around and misleads and deviates that the command that is given to males males abandoned that they adopted what females should be doing and what females should be doing they abandoned it and started adopting what males should be doing and exposing their feet and legs and everything. Once a Sahabi radiallahu came said to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, "Inni hamishus saqain," that my shins have dried up. What he meant to say was that due to my shins, that is including my ankles, having dried up and becoming thin and unsightly, I wish to cover my ankles. However, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam did not permit him to do so. Instead, he said, Inna Allah la yuhibbul musbila. Verily, Allah Ta'ala does not love the one who covers his ankles. Dear friends, ponder, is it wise that one should deprive himself of the love of Allah Ta'ala by means of covering his ankles? On another occasion, Rasulullah said to a sahabi radiallahu, whose sheet was dragging on the floor, Amalaka fiya uswatun, that is there not an example for you in my way of life? This was an incident where once one person was walking, Nabi Islam noticed that he's walking in this manner with his garment lowered down to the point that he was almost it was dragging on the floor. So Nabi Islam addressed him from behind and said to him, Irfa Izarak. That Irfa Izarak. Nabi Islam said to him, Raise your garment. So he turned around and he saw, okay, the person who was addressing him was Rasulullah Sallallahu So as if explaining himself that why he didn't take too much of care uh, and allowed it to drag along, he responded by saying, Innaha burdatun malha. Burdatun malha was a kind of garment which, just for our understanding, a very, very simple, ordinary garment. So what he meant to say was 
that if it really, if something happens, it gets torn a little or gets soiled too. This is not something very expensive or very high quality. It's a very simple, ordinary garment, doesn't really matter. So he presented a kind of explanation, so to say, of himself. Rasulullah didn't pay any attention to that explanation. In response, what Nabi Salaam replied was, Amalaka fiya uswatun. You are giving me all your explanations. Is there not an example in my life for you? So Sahabi says, I turned and I looked at the garment of Nabi Salaam. It was midway on his shin. So this is the way Nabi Salaam wore his garment. But in one hadith, Nabi Salaam says, if you wish to lower it, and a little lower, and lower it more, a little lower, but wala haqqa lil izari fil ka'abain. But the ankle should not be covered at all. The question is actually an affectionate warning. Thus the mere claim of love is not sufficient. Love in reality follows one to follow his beloved. Forces one to follow his beloved. The poet expresses this in the following couplet. لَوْ كَانَ حُبُّكَ صَادِقًا لَأَطَعْتَهُ إِنَّ الْمُحِبَّ لِمَنْ يُحِبُّ مُطِيعُ Had you been true in your love, you would have obeyed him. Verily the lover is obedient to his beloved. The dictates of the love of Allah Ta'ala demands that we do not disobey him. If we obey every command of his, then we are indeed true in our claim of love. These were the two aspects pertaining to the zahir, to the external self. Then the two aspects that pertain to the inner self, this is then discussed inshallah. We'll continue with this tomorrow. Allah Ta'ala give us a tawfiq. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, subhanakallah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, We have sufficient time now. We could continue with our tilawat, etc. Somebody needs to rest, by all means rest. But avoid talking, idle talk, and engaging in anything else futile. We either we engage in our ibadat, or if you want to rest, we rest. In every atikaf, he used to address the mu'atakifin. And he used to say to them, that jitna sona ho solo. That you're in atikaf, how much you want to sleep, sleep. Now this might appear that a person is being encouraged that sleep, sleep is extra. It's not being encouraged to sleep extra. Whatever a person's requirement is, he should take the full requirement of his. Somebody's requirement is less, somebody's a little bit more, but the average is between 6 and 8 hours maximum. More than that is harmful. More than that creates lethargy. Sometimes the person says, I slept so much but I'm still tired. It's not tired, it's lethargy. And then the more the person will sleep, it will become more lethargic. And that will become a vicious cycle. So, generally, most people can get easily along on 6 to 7 hours of sleep. So in any case, that within the 24 hours, the person should have that. But what he meant to say was, that if a person wants to sleep, sleep. Because there's a limit, he can't sleep after that. And if he's sleeping also, then to one very great benefit is, that at least he's obviously not sleeping at the time when he's supposed to be performing salah and other compulsory aspects. But when he's sleeping, the least is that he's away from sin. He's not making any ghibad at that time. He's not looking at any haram. He's not doing anything wrong. So he's fast asleep. That too is a very great na'mad that a person is away from sin. Like sometimes some people describe, they say so-and-so is a very good person as long as he's sleeping. So we should, one is something is just being said lightheartedly where somebody doesn't mind it, but we should not be making 
uh, mocking or ridiculing statements about anyone. Nevertheless, the point here is that that used to explain in this manner that somebody wants to sleep, sleep. Because there is a limit, he can't sleep more than that. He'll automatically then be awake. He says, How much do you eat, eat? After Iftar, Iftar time, later Seri time, that too there is a natural limit. What was meant to say is that, fine, what you need to eat, eat. You say, ek baat mat karo, ek cheez mat karo, bolo mat. But avoid talking. 